0: Wow, that was amazing. It was so fitting to the message that I'll be bringing today. Uh, first, I just want to say hi. My name is Dan. I'm a, I'm a missionary in the city. I was a local pastor here for 12 years, and uh, over the last year, I stepped aside from where I was pastoring, and now I'm doing um, some mission work in the city with an organization called Connecting Streams. So I'll share a little bit more of that in the context of the message I'm going to be bringing. But... Um, yeah that song was unbelievable. That is exactly the heart cry this morning as we uh, as we approach the as we approach God as He speaks to us in his word. So I'm going to be um sharing a little bit from Luke chapter ten. Um, if you have a Bible, you can turn there luke um, Luke was not an eyewitness of Jesus, but Luke was a researcher right luke Luke um, he interviewed the eyewitnesses. And he said he wrote his gospel so that we would have certainty regarding the things that we had been taught. And in Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be today. Um, We're going to be talking about go and shout it and tell it to the nations. Luke chapter 10, I'll start reading in verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in that same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Don't go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what's set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. Skipping down to verse 17, the 72 returned Thus far, God's word. And Heavenly Father, I pray this morning, would you open up our hearts to your word, even as you open up your word to us. Um, Challenge those who need to be challenged. Encourage those who need to be encouraged. Rebuke those who need to be rebuked. In all things, Lord, may you receive all power and glory wisdom and strength as we praise your name among your people in your name we pray amen it's a weird year isn't it <laughs> actually it's i just have to say it's amazing to be here with you uh this is the first time i've been in front of a congregation since maybe january so this is this is wonderful um but it it's been it's been a weird year and i know you you've heard some say Desperate times call for desperate measures. And actually, I think I'm going I'm to turn that on its head a little bit today. I'm going to say this. Desperate times call for bold people. Desperate times call for bold people. There's a poem by Rudyard Kipling I want to read to you. It's been, it's been something I've, I've read from time to time since I was in my 20s. But um, I just read it again this morning and it hit me anew as we think about 2020 and the fears of this year, this year of fear, in the midst of uh, overly political climate, in the midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of social unrest, in the midst of tragedy, wildfires, explosions, seemingly every day in the news, this year of fear never stops. And so I was reading this poem this morning, and it just spoke to me again. It's called If by Rudyard Kipling. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools. Or watch the things you gave your life to broken. And stoop and build them with worn out tools. If you can make a heap of all your winnings and risk it all in a turn of pitch and toss and lose. And start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone. And so hold on when there's nothing left in you except the will which says to them, hold on if you could talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings and not lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you. If all men count with you, but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Desperate times call for bold people, call for level-headed people, called for people who understand the purpose for which God has placed them in this world and can hold on To that, through whatever comes, victories or tragedies. Those are that's what we face in this year of fear. And I believe that God has not forsaken us. And I believe that God has not forsaken our city. And I believe that God has the same great commission, the same great mission He has called us to, that He first sent those twelve apostles on many years ago. We're going to look today at what I call the second commission uh, in Luke chapter 10. Most of us are familiar with the great commission which is that you know Matthew 28 or at the end of all the gospels where Jesus sends out his followers into all the world making disciples of all the nations. We'll read that later in the message today. We're familiar with that but um, we learn in luke that this is not that that great commission was not the first time that jesus sent his followers out with a commissioning in fact in the gospel of luke there are three in luke chapter 9 he sends out the 12 to go into the villages and the cities and he says to them he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of god and to heal that was the first commission in luke chapter 9 but here in luke chapter 10 we have the second commission. And now he's sending out 72. He expands his commission to include 72. Now here is the interesting point. We have no idea who these 72 people are. They're, they're historians and Bible scholars. Don't have any inkling as to who these people may be. They're never mentioned again in Scripture. They're never Even the fact that they had been sent out is never referred to again. And... I actually think that may be part of the point here part of the point here is that these aren't the apostles these aren't the chosen 12 these aren't the big names these are the nameless faceless followers of christ they're the ordinary folk as we would call them they're the ordinary folk We don't even know their names, but these are the ones that Christ sends to do this work. And actually, that's the point I want to land on us today, is that Christ sends out ordinary folk into this fearful world. He sends out folk like us. And are we... Here's the question. Are we prepared to truly believe that Christ sends ordinary people like us to accomplish his purposes. I'll tell you, these 72 were not prepared to believe it. Like... Look at what Jesus says to them. Jesus says to them, uh, Christ tells them, go from town to town. Don't make any plans. Don't take anything with you. Just knock on people's door and say, hey, I've come with a message. The kingdom of God is near to you. And they'll feed you and they'll close you and they'll house you. Just go. And while you're going, you know, cast out the demons and heal the sick. And I'm sure these 72 ordinary Christians are like, What? Like, they might have outside been like, yeah, Jesus, sure, we're with you, we're tracking with you. They must have thought he was crazy. And the reason why I make that statement is, if you go down to verse 17, (laughs) they come back from going and doing what the Lord has told them to do. And it says in verse 17, they returned with joy. Like they couldn't contain themselves. Like, Jesus, it worked! (laughs) It it actually worked! And then they're just astounded and they say, even the demons were subject to us in your name. Like, they're marveling that when they simply went out and did what the Lord had asked them to do, that things happened. (laughs) I love that. And, And I think that's where we're at as ordinary, everyday Christians, is that as we have our mind renewed, that we are able to test and approve what God's good and pleasing, perfect will. When we first hear the word of Christ, we might say, well, that would never work. But as we walk in obedience to his word, suddenly we go, whoa! God, you actually showed up and did something. And they come back with joy on account of it. And it seems that more had happened than they had considered would. And they were amazed that when they went on, in faith obedient to the word of christ god moved and look what jesus tells them he says in verse 18 he says he's and he jesus said to them i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven behold i've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you now what in the world jesus this is uh i I first gave this message at 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 the church I, i was pastoring and i it was in a series called The Hard Sayings of Jesus because this is a difficult saying. What is Jesus meaning? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. I'm from the States and there's parts where, you know, I don't know if you've seen those churches, documentaries of those churches. What is Jesus talking about here? Satan. Jesus, uh, Satan when, he, when Jesus said Satan falls like lightning from heaven, his words are likely an allusion to Isaiah 14. Now, I'll tell you a little bit, and we're not going to get deep into it, but what's happening in Isaiah 14, it's in the midst of Isaiah prophesying these visions against the Gentile nations. Okay, And what Isaiah reveals is that the spirit of rebellion that drives the nations to rage against the Lord and his anointed was Satan himself. This is like Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage? Why do the kings of the earth take their stand against the Lord and against his anointed? And Isaiah is thinking about these nations of the earth that are are raging against their God and the anointed one. In Isaiah chapter 14, you can read it later. Isaiah is reflecting that this is a satanic. And so... What's happening here in the sending out of the 72, now here's the other part, the Jewish people understood there to be 72 Gentile people groups of the world. And so some scholars think that the reason why Jesus sends out 72 is this, it's this proclamation, it's this kind of in seed form, this proclamation that his followers were going to go into all of the world and claim all of the nations for his name's sake and so as jesus sends out these 72 followers he's actually seeing now that the satanic influence behind the kingdoms of this world is starting to topple and he says i see satan falling like lightning from heaven added to that then he speaks about this authority to tread on serpents and scorpions now what's he speaking of there's two possibilities that are given. One would be the first promise of the gospel in Genesis 3.15, after the serpent deceived the woman and she gave the fruit to Adam, he, and they fell. God gave the first promise of the gospel, which was a seed of the woman was going to come and crush the serpent's head. And so it could be an allusion to that, that Jesus is saying, oh, here now that I've sent my people out to share the good news that God's kingdom is here into the nation. Satan's kingdom now is starting to crumble and will soon be crushed. Oh man, that that's one possibility. And it, I love that possibility. That's a cool one. It could also be an allusion to Deuteronomy chapter, uh, chapter 8 in which describes the Lord, Moses describes the Lord here as the Lord your God, chapter 8 verse 15, the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and the thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock and who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you. And the point of Deuteronomy chapter 8 is about the presence of the Lord. That the presence of the Lord that went with the children of Israel as they went through the nations of the earth. That they the, 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 their sandals did not wear out and the, the, the serpents did not bite them. Basically what Jesus is saying here is to say as they returned with joy, saying, oh my goodness, Jesus, we had no idea this this is what happened. Jesus says, yeah, I know. In sending you out, I saw Satan's kingdom begin to topple. Because I am the king and I am the supreme authority and I am with you. You don't need to worry about a thing the enemy cannot stand before you. Two words, if you forget everything else about this message today, two words I want to impress upon us today as we think about our approach to this fearful year and where who we are as God's people as we go. Two words are this, authority and presence. Authority and presence. Authority, we serve the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, presence he's with us right think about this a lot of us who are christians we 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 often think about this at the end of matthew's gospel we call it the great commission if i ask you what the great commission is a lot of us would just oh rattle off the top of our head oh the great commission is that we are to go making disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father son and holy spirit and teach them to obey all that jesus has commanded Is that right I see a lot of nodding listen I edited out a great deal there I hope you know that I edited out and that that answer was accurate but not sufficient because the Great Commission does not start with go what's the first word of the Great Commission the first two words all authority Jesus says now They come near to him and some, like it says, the disciples came near to him and some doubted. So it wasn't that like these were great, great, great men of faith. What it is, is Jesus came to them and proclaimed this. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go. See, the great commission means nothing if Christ does not rule. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And how does it end? And lo, or behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Authority, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and presence... I am with you through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm with you. Desperate times call for a bold people, but our boldness is not in ourselves, some doubted. <laughs> Desperate times call for a bold people and boldness comes from the fact if you're a Christian here, you've been given a mission that is based not upon sufficiency in yourself, not upon who you are, but upon who Christ is and his position of all power and authority and that he is with us. Authority and presence. A couple months ago, I was uh, in San Francisco. I was doing some missionary training before I began my role here in the city. And we did about four days of missionary training. And um, the last day, we had evangelism training on our schedule. And uh, that day, for some reason, they brought out a big conference table. Uh, We had not had a conference table yet, the whole first three days of training. But that day, we have a big conference table. So we're all like, oh, getting our notepads out and getting our pencils sharpened and all ready to go. And he's like, the guy walks in, he goes, we're going to do our evangelism training. We're like, yep, we got our paper ready. He's like, all right. So in 10 minutes, we're going to get in the van and uh, we're going to go to the Tenderloin. Now the Tenderloin in the U.S. is probably the second or third, like most dangerous district in the entire United States. San Francisco is right now known for its drug and homelessness populations. The Tenderloin is the center of that. And they're like, yeah, in 10 minutes, we're just going to get in the van. And here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to pray. You're going to go up to people. You're going to say, hey, can I pray for you? And can I tell you about Jesus? And then we'll gather in a couple hours and see how we go. And now all of us, we're all like pastors and missionaries. So we're all, we're all, on the outside, we're all like, yeah, yeah, we got that. Sure. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I do that every day. You know? <laughs> Inside, we're all like, wait, where are we going? <laughs> like, what? And then it was kind of funny because we're getting in the van. He's like, oh yeah by the way by the way uh don't touch anyone they might cut you we're like okay thanks for telling us and it was just amazing um so we did we got in the vans we got out we prayed we and and i got amazing stories i could share with you about about just that about just going and approaching people hey we're christians can we pray for you and tell you about jesus in this really 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 rough neighborhood And we get done, and we're doing our debrief, and one of the things our trainer said is like, look, we could have sat around that conference table and took notes about how to share your faith. It's like, that's not it. I knew you guys all knew how to do that. I saw your applications to come to be part of this training. He says the biggest barrier to the people of God is our lack of courage. Our lack of boldness. He says, that's what I needed to train you in. It's not your knowledge. It's your confidence that if you go out, Christ's authority will be with you and Christ's presence will be with you. And that's what you needed to learn. And and that's how I needed to learn. I'm coming back. I'm like, that's how I'm doing evangelism training. Let's just go. But that's the reality. The reality is... If you're a Christian, not only are you called to just go and share what Christ has done for you, but it's not about how sufficient you are. It's not about how capable you are. It's not about how articulate you may be. It's about you serve the king of the universe of whom all authority has been given and who says, I will be with you. Now, there's a couple implications of this. I want to to talk about four implications of this idea of authority and presence as we go. The first is this, and I don't know where you're coming from this morning. I've never been to this church before. I don't know you. But I will say this to you. The first implication of being used by God in this way, in this time, in this fearful season we live, is first this. You must know Christ. And He must know you. You must truly have that relationship with Christ based not on what you have done, but on what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. All of us were alienated from God, meaning we were separated from God We did not love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Have you? Think about it. Every day of your life, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? We have failed to love our neighbor as ourself? Have you, every day of your life, walked in loving your neighbor as yourself? Like, I don't need to give you 613 commandments, right? Like, those two can demonstrate the point that every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God as it says in Romans that we have alienated we've separated ourselves from God but God did not leave us there and maybe some of you are tired out and worn out because you're there and you understand you're there but you're like you've been trying to like make yourself better the problem is all of your efforts will fail because not that we can make ourselves better it's not just that we need a help or a guide we need a savior what god has done for us in jesus is he came and he lived among us a perfect life that we could not he came and he died a debt of sin in our place rising from the dead all authority being given to him to proclaim to the nation's forgiveness of sins and new life is available in him And so if you're here today, you don't know Christ, I would plead to you first, understand there's nothing you can do to reconcile your relationship with God. He's done it for you in Christ. All we do is we we bow our hearts before him. We recognize that we have rebelled against him. We receive what he has done for us and we put our full trust into him. You can do that this morning. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And he who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. I called out to Him when I was 16 years old. I said, God, I know, I know now I don't need a helper. I need a Savior. Come into my life. Change me. And the Spirit of God, I believe, actually came upon me and it has been a 25, I don't know how old I am now, whatever, <laughs> I forget. It's been a long journey of him working out his purposes and his will in and through me. And he can do the same for you. So that's the first thing. First, got to know him. Do you know him? This authority and this presence is, is, is a promise to those who know him. Do you know him? Secondly, the second implication of this would be to to those of you who do know him or who profess to know him. The second implication of this is, is we are the church. We are the people of God left here on this planet to magnify his name and take it to every corner of the earth. Not just the 12, but the ordinary folk. And my heart would be this. My, here's my heart. I've been going around to different churches just sharing this. Oh, my heart would be that each one of you would be equipped to be able to, to share that story. Even if you just came to Christ a couple minutes ago when I pled with you to come to Christ. Guess what? You can leave here today and you can grab a friend and you say, hey, I got to tell you what happened in church today. Somehow, I, 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 somehow I, I met God. And they might say, well, what does that mean? And you might say, well, I don't exactly know, but come back with me next week and we'll figure it out together. If you just came to Christ two minutes ago, you can do that now. <laughs> but... I'd love for my my heart would be that each one of us would be equipped to be able to share our story, to be equipped to be able to enter into spiritual conversations, to be equipped to be able to, to share that great story of God's story of what He has done for us in Christ. And then my heart challenge here would be: what would Ottawa look like if everybody who names the name of Christ? would devote themselves and commit themselves to one intentional evangelistic opportunity a month. Just once a month you say I'm going to join an evangelistic team or once a month I'm going to go to the nursing home or once a month I'm going to see what Eastgate is doing and partner with them. Once a month you say hey, once a month I can I can be a light and and intentionally shine it. Not and, and that's above and beyond obviously your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, right? But, but we need to sharpen ourselves, Because there's a, a broken and hurting world all around us. And God has placed us here in this time for this season and desperate times call for bold people. So that would be my heart. I, I, I lead in the city, this ministry called Connecting Streams. This is what we do. We go to church and we try to help mobilize the people uh, for these sorts of opportunities. Uh, instead of me explaining it, I'll show this video uh, right now because I think we'll explain it will explain a little bit better than I will here. What is Connecting Streams? Connecting Streams exists to equip and mobilize the church to help societies marginalised know Jesus, and experience his power to change the world. Yet what do we mean by that? What do we actually do? We are the church, the people of God united through our shared stories of transformation through Christ. While we gather together in buildings regularly, the church is not a building, but a people. However, if we're honest, sometimes we do make it about the building. We run most of our programs here, and often, For someone to hear about this great story of God's salvation in Christ, they are expected to come to us. We call this the attractional model of ministry. The church and our programs are like a magnet, drawing people in so that they can hear the good news. However, we know that the attractional model has significant shortcomings. For one thing, many people simply cannot come to us. They have health issues, or shut-ins, or living in long-term care facilities. They may be institutionalized. Poverty and culture may also be a barrier, as they feel they may have to look, dress, or act in a certain way before they could find a place in the church. For these people, the poor, vulnerable, and marginalized, the attractional model simply will not work. We must go to them. Isn't this, after all, what Jesus taught us to do? To go into all the world sharing his message of hope? Jesus modeled this for us in his incarnation. He came among us to meet us where we are at, to show us the hope of the salvation of God. Connecting Streams works with churches to equip and mobilize God's people to reach beyond the walls to meet people where they are at with the love of Christ. Through this incarnational method of ministry, we are not only able to reach people who would not otherwise be reached with the love of Christ, but we ourselves are transformed in the process as we are invited into the life experience of others. How do we do this? Our Connecting Streams team scouts potential opportunities for partnership, such as hospitals, long-term care facilities, seniors' residences, prison and post-prison institutions, and so on. We then develop a strategy for that opportunity. How big a team is needed? How often will they go? And what ministry activities will they participate in? We then develop relationships with stakeholders and foster partnership agreements, navigating any required processes for working with vulnerable people. We then form and train teams comprised of screened volunteers while providing ongoing support once the teams are established. We do all this to help the church and its people build relationships with those outside their walls. We'd love to partner with you. Whether you are a church leader feeling the spirits prompting to mobilize your own people to reach beyond your walls into the surrounding community, a Christian that has a unique heart burden for working among societies marginalized, or an organization that is already doing the work, but as always looking for more eager volunteers. We'd love to chat with you and talk about how we might connect you together with others seeking to change the world. Yeah, so that's a little bit of what uh, what I'm doing. And uh, it's kind of funny, I joined this ministry where we connect churches to things like prisons and long-term care homes. And then we hit a global pandemic, so <laughs> all of our teams have been on pause for a while. Um, but we are actually beginning to, to start some things up. One of the exciting things that really demonstrates that attractional model versus this incarnational model, uh, we worked with the Met and Peace Tower Church to relaunch a ministry called Bridges. Um, it was like a soup kitchen type of ministry where you'd come, you'd get a meal, and you'd get a message. And uh, so we had about 30, 40, sometimes 50 people kind of from the streets coming in for that meal, and they have been doing that for a while. And as we uh, now are thinking about reopening, we thought, well, can we do that? Can we have a public meal like that? What's that going to look like? What's cool is actually we are going to be restarting Bridges uh, actually this week. for doing our training on Tuesday nights. If you're interested, you come and talk to me about it, but... Um, We're resetting it up, but we're we're moving from an attractional, hey, come here model, to a what we're doing is we're actually training our teams to go out with meals, to go interact with those uh, participants that we've already made relationships with, and they're going to go to them. They're going to go to them with prepackaged meals so it's safe, and they're going to go and we're going to train them how to do evangelism and conversational discipleship. And uh, so our teams are really, really, really excited, like particularly because we've all mainly been cooped up for, for a long time. So we're excited to get those ministries going again. Um, so if you had any questions about connecting streams, about bridges, you can talk to me after uh, the service. But I also want to tell you about an opportunity that you have right here at Eastgate Alliance coming up on Wednesday, uh, September 22nd. So on Wednesday, uh, we're helping a, a team from Cambridge, Ontario called E3 is coming uh, to Ottawa and they're going to be here from 6, sorry, sorry, Bill 6 to 9 p.m. The reason why we need that extra hour, I'll explain in a minute, but they're going to be coming up and, and they're hoping to equip the city. And what they do really well is they help to, to train you in very memorable tools to help you feel confident in sharing your faith. Okay, so that's, you'll learn a couple tools that night, and then I'll have to tell you, and this will excite some of you and terrify others, what they're going to do, you're going to meet at 6, do about an hour, hour and 15 minutes of training, and then they actually want to go out in teams around the neighborhoods a little bit. And you'll come back and you'll share what God has done. Because like what I learned in San Francisco, that is the, one of the best ways to learn, is going and doing. So if you're terrified about that, that's actually where you should be. You know why? Because our boldness is not in ourself. What is our boldness in? The uh, authority and the presence of Christ okay so that will be wednesday uh september 23rd we have an eventbrite for that but it's very hard to sign that up in the lobby so if you could visit my table afterward and just give me your name and email address i will email you the eventbrite so you can register okay two more implications we said first you must be a christian you must know god second go and tell third pray short point here jesus just says as he as he sends these 72 out he says pray that the lord of the harvest will raise up laborers for the harvest that's why i'm here honestly that's why bill does what he's doing (laughs) he's praying that all of us ordinary folk ordinary everyday christians with this get this picture of the gospel the authority and the presence of christ to motivate in our life to go and impact and rock this city Pray. I love, uh, I see Naya's there, the burning house of prayer. You you guys gather to pray. That's what you do. You pray for the city. So thank you so much. And finally, and this might be the same point as the second one, because the second one was go and tell. The the fourth one is just go in faith. Go in faith. Jesus, this is amazing in this, how Jesus trains His disciples, where He says here, later He does say, you can take a backpack with you. But here He's like, just go. But Jesus, I don't have? No, go. But what about my food? No, no, just go. Should I take a backpack? No, just go. And He's training them to depend upon His provision. Some some of us... You know, we look at who we are not. You say, "Oh, I'm too old," or "I'm too young," or "I'm not intelligent enough," or maybe I'm too educated to go. You know, like. And we look at who we're not, rather than who God is in the sending. Um, I, I I I'll share this. Uh, I I left my role as a pastor to to be a missionary in the city. It's a completely faith mission. Like I'm. I'm dependent upon the prayers and support of, of partners. If any of you, God would move in your heart to, to possibly talk to me about that, that would be wonderful as well. But that's my, my. you know what, honestly, like I forgot to even talk about that in the first service because it's it's not what my worry or my concern is. I know Christ will provide. And for some of you, for all of you, you, you can spend your life looking at who you're not, going, well, I don't know if I am sufficient for this calling sufficient to go or or you can look at who christ is one of my one of my favorite people is this woman named marine chung she's a uh, chinese woman cantonese lady from hong kong she lives in toronto she's a, she's an older woman i think she's over 65 or 70 now and um she when she was younger she wanted to be a pastor and they said well you can't be a pastor you're a woman and she said well can i be a missionary and they said yeah so what she did, though, was she just went around Toronto planting churches. <laughs> and as she went around Toronto planting churches, she's planted like four or five churches. And she went around Toronto planting churches, she's always doing what I said in number three. She's always praying that the Lord would raise up laborers for the harvest. So she's planting the churches. She's gathering the people. She's discipling. And then she's actually raising up and training pastors. And then the pastors, like, that's how the churches were born. And uh, she's doing this her whole life. Everybody has told her, here's a here, you know, here's a closed door, here's a closed door, here's a closed door, and she's just like, "You know what? I'll do what I can do." In submission to the Lord, in submission to to others, I'll I'll do it. I'll do I'll use everything Christ has given me to to complete his calling. She's 65 now, I think 65 or 70 now. And do you know how she's serving right now? This this old Cantonese lady. Do you know how she's serving right now? She leads the youth ministry at her church. She's like, I'm 65. I don't know what these kids are doing. I don't know what Snapchat is. What are these things? I have no idea what these things are. She's like, I'm originally from Hong Kong. I grew up there. I don't know about this culture. I don't know about these kids. And there's all these reasons why she could look to her shortcomings and be like, I couldn't serve in that ministry But here's what she does. She knows, she understands the authority that Christ has called her. She understands his presence. And then this is what she does. Here's the extra ingredient. She loves them. She loves them. And they will say of her, Maureen, you know, you don't understand us. You don't understand our culture. But we get this about you. You love us. You love us. This is not about us. It's not about our fears. It's not about what we don't have. It's about Christ, His authority, His presence, and filling us with His heart of love for those around us. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray that You raise up laborers for Your harvest, even from, uh, from among this, this crowd here today. God, You are so good to us because it's not dependent upon our prestige, our authority, our power, our, you know, it's, it's about you, who you are. It's about you and your presence that you're with us. And so, God, I pray you raise up laborers from this, from this crowd here today. I pray for anyone here to, today as well who may have, in those moments, Holy Spirit, you were doing a work in their heart. Maybe they did not know you before, but now they know you. God, I pray that they might tell someone after the service, even Pastor Bill. But I pray, Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for the work you've done here today. In your name, amen.